You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. It's always interesting to think about time in those ways. And if there's ever one commodity in life that we must learn to handle wisely and steward well, it's without a doubt our time. As we stand on the threshold of a brand new year, this very first day of January, the first of 365 days in the year of 2023, I thought it might be helpful to kind of break down that these next 365 days in their allotment of time. So for this next year, Obviously, you're going to have 365 days, which amounts to 8,760 hours, which translates into 525,000 minutes, which translates into 31,536,000 seconds. Now, again, as we stand on the threshold of a new year, I know that that sounds like a lot of time until you kind of start subtracting for the following. The average person should sleep, and I say should, not everybody does, but they would say the average person should sleep eight hours a day. So let's assume you're an average normal person and you sleep eight hours a day. That adds up to 2,920 hours a year, leaving you now with 5,840 hours of 2023 left. Now, if you're employed and work an average of 40 hours per week, and I know that that does not apply to the Minkins anymore, Um, but if you are employed and you work an average of 40 hours per week, that comes up to 2,080 hours per week, now leaving you with 3,760 hours remaining in the year 2023. Now, the next one is a little harder to calculate because of the variances, but they say that the average person spends about 21 hours per week doing what we would classify as remedial uh, chores. That can be housework, cooking, dishes, mowing the lawn, getting ready uh, in the morning, maybe getting ready for bed in the evening, I mean, etc. You can add other uh, variances to that. But again, if you just take what the average person does, it amounts to 1,176 hours per year, now leaving you with 2,584 hours for the remainder of the year. So for the average person, what started off with 8,760 hours in the year, when you factor in those common ordinary activities into the year, you're left with less than a third of that time to use in whatever way you deem necessary. Again, your time equals your life. And both your time and your life will end at the same exact moment. You can run out of money and still have time left. 
You can lose all of your friends and have time to spare. But once you run out of time, game over. You can make more money, you can make new friends, you can take more trips, maybe even start new hobbies. But your allotment of time is limited and each of us only gets so much of it. Time waits for no man, but it stands still for a woman of 35. Can I get an amen? Will Rogers once said, half our life is spent trying to find something to do with the time we have rushed through life trying to save. Job 14, uh, chapter 14, verse five puts it this way. Man's days are determined. You, God, have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. Now, I want you to pay attention to those last four words. Limits he cannot exceed exceed. You can overspend, you can overeat, you can overdo, but you can never overlive. The psalmist in uh, Psalm 90 chapter 12 adds this very important insight regarding the relationship between our allotment of time and wisdom. And there he says, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So simply by recognizing and acknowledging our days are numbered and there are limits we cannot exceed, we take a giant step towards becoming people of wisdom. Now just the sheer recognition that our time on earth is limited should compel us to really kind of evaluate all of life differently. Unfortunately, for a lot of us, we spend more of our lives wishing for more time than evaluating how well we're using the time we've been given. Let me add one more activity to the remaining allotment of time we had left. The average person in America spends an average of 1,692 hours a year watching television and or being on the internet, which leaves 892 hours of the time left in the year out of 8,760. Sometimes we don't realize how little time we have for the important things of life because we're unaware of how much of our time is spent doing the necessary things or unimportant things of life. Again, you have to sleep. We can't just go a whole year and decide, I'm not gonna sleep at all. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that time I would have slept to do other things. You have to eat. You have to take care of things around your house. Um, but at some point, Again, you don't have to choose to sit in front of a television uh, or be on the internet all of the time. So at some point, it comes down to how much of your time are we going to allow for things we don't necessarily need? And then what are the consequences when we choose to use our time so unwisely? Here's a great question. How important is it to spend time arguing with strangers on the internet? Have you ever asked yourself that question? 
I see people all the time on the internet who are constantly debating people that they don't even know to try to change their, their mind on something that it's just probably never going to happen. But I just think about the enormous amounts of energy people spend arguing with strangers on the internet. So what I want us to think about this morning is that there is something far more significant than knowing what time it is. It's knowing what to do with the time we've been given. The only person who saves time is the one who spends it wisely. So this morning, I wanna just share with you very quickly five very simple principles relating to time and how to use the little time we really do have more wisely. So let me just start with the first principle. There is a cumulative value to investing small amounts of time in certain activities over a long period. I know that's a lot. Let me just say that again. There is a cumulative value to investing small amounts of time in certain activities over a long period of time. Now, exercise is a great example of this principle. There is a very clear cumulative effect from exercising a few minutes every day or every other day over a long period of time. At the end of a year, if you've been faithful and you've been exercising every day or every other day, you will begin to see and to feel a difference, right? However, at the end of your first exercise session, the only difference you may feel at the end of that first exercise session is that you're sore, that you're tired, right? How many of you have seen that commercial of the big guy in the gym and he's wearing a headset and he steps on to the scale and, and the scale reads 294 pounds and he gets off the scale and he runs frantically several times around the gym, gets back on the scale and the scale says 294 pounds and he gets so frustrated, he picks up the scale and he just smashes it on the floor. you will see almost no measurable benefit from just one exercise session. In fact, no matter how long you've been exercising, there is almost no measurable benefit from a single exercise session. The value of exercising is found in the cumulative effect. That's why it's so easy to talk yourself out of exercising. We say to ourselves, what will it hurt if I just miss one day? And the answer is, it probably won't hurt anything physically speaking. The real value in exercise is not found in any one deposit of time. The value is realized over a consistent, prolonged period of time exercising. And again, the same is true if you're attempting to master a musical instrument, if you're trying to improve your golf swing or learning to cook. A little bit of concentrated 
effort several days a week over a period of several months and years will dramatically improve your performance and your ability in any given area. Now, what is obviously true in the realm of physical fitness, golf, and music may not be so obvious in other areas. Nonetheless, the same principle has implications for just about every facet of our lives, especially those pertaining to our relationships. Let me just list a few specific practices where consistency over a prolonged period of time will make a difference. So quality time with your family. Quality time with your spouse. A date night with your spouse will make a difference. Quality time with God alone. A church attendance. One-on-one -on -one time with your children. Spending time in prayer. Small group Bible studies. Again, the greatest benefit and value for us comes when we choose to invest small amounts of time over a long period. There is value in one date night with your spouse, but there's even greater value relationally in one date night a month with your spouse for the rest of your lives. These activities, these incremental investments of time relationally have immeasurable cumulative value, which leads me to my second principle. There are rarely any immediate consequences for neglecting single installments of time in any arena of life, okay? There are rarely any immediate serious consequences for neglecting single installments of time in any given arena of life. Again, in the realm of health, we find, again, the clearest example of this principle. Neglect your health for a day, and there are usually no immediate consequences, right? Neglect your health for a week, okay? And you probably won't experience any negative detrimental effects. In fact, you could probably take a whole week and eat fast food, double desserts, no exercise, late nights out on the town, and you may ask yourself, why didn't I adopt this lifestyle sooner? Now, if you were able to evaluate the effects of such a lifestyle after a single week, you would probably draw some wrong conclusions. Other than a little indigestion, maybe some difficulty getting up in the morning, there probably would not be too much to worry about. Now, these same dynamics play themselves out in every area of life, okay? If you miss one dinner with your family one night, it's probably not a big deal. If you choose to sleep in one Sunday morning, not a lot changes, Okay, skip work one Friday. You'll probably have a job still on Monday. Pick up a newspaper instead of your Bible one morning. Life goes on. It's deceiving but true that we rarely see any immediate or serious consequences for neglecting a single installment of time in any arena of life. But if neglect 
becomes habitual, if it becomes a pattern, you're gonna bump up against this next principle. Neglect has a cumulative effect. Continuing with the health example, you can neglect your health for a week and maybe even a month and probably have no serious side effects or consequences. But I'll tell you what, you strap on that lifestyle for 10 or 12 years and the damage may be irreversible. Again, not because of a single night or some particular meal. Again, the effect is cumulative. Neglect has a cumulative effect and consequences physically, relationally, spiritually, professionally, financially, emotionally. Neglect anything over a long period of time and you will have something to show for it, usually a mess. The next step in our five-point journey is something you probably have never thought about, but I'll bet you every one of us in this room have experienced. While it's true, again, that small, consistent investments of time add up to good things, and that consistent neglect adds up to bad things, the random pursuits that we allow to interrupt our important routines usually add up to nothing. And here's the next principle. There is no cumulative value to the urgent things that we allow to interfere with the important things, okay? There's no cumulative value, and I'll give you an example of this in a moment. There's no cumulative value to the urgent things that we allow to interfere with the important things. Let's suppose one of your New Year's resolutions this year is you're gonna exercise three times a week. Okay, you join Planet Fitness, YMCA, or you bought a treadmill and you've announced to your family and friends that this is your year to get in shape. Now, let's imagine that, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months down the road, that hasn't happened. Other things kind of kept interfering and, and getting in the way with your exercise routine. Now again, chances are, if you're anything like me, you're not having to use much of an imagination um, on this one, but let's take it a step further. So you, you start out the new year with this goal of exercising three times a week, and you're a month into it, and you really haven't really gotten started and there's really no consistency uh, to what you planned on doing. Now imagine that you have to sit down with, with a friend or if you've got an accountability partner or someone that's been praying for you or a family member that you've asked them to hold you accountable and, and you begin to account to them what you did instead of exercising. Let me kind of just give you an idea of how that conversation might go. So your, maybe your spouse says to you, so, so what did you do instead of exercising? And your response is gonna be, um, I don't know, just a lot of things. And your spouse is gonna say, well, well, let's kind of think about that. I mean, were there times where you kind of overslept or just decided to sleep in in the morning? You say, yeah, that, yeah, that was one of them. Yeah, I just felt like I needed some extra hours of sleep. Okay, how many times did you do that? Well, I don't know. I, I, just, I just did it. 
And, and so what else did you do instead of exercising? Well, I kind of decided I needed to get into the office early. I had a lot of deadlines, a lot of things that needed to be done. So I went to the office, you know, early. Well, how many times? I don't know. I, I just went in, you know, a couple times early. So what did you do at the office? Well, just different stuff. Well, like what kind of stuff? Well, I don't remember, uh, just work stuff. Okay, so what else did you do with those mornings instead of exercising? Well, there were a couple of times where I just decided to meet friends for breakfast. Um, what else? Well, some mornings I kind of just hung out there at the house and I kind of just did, did chores, checked my emails, you know, made the kids' lunch, got them off to school. Again, here's the point. If you stack up, all of the stuff you did instead of exercising and then you were to take all of that stuff and you were to add up their value, chances are what you would end up with at the end is nothing, rarely nothing. The random pursuits that interrupt our important routines oftentimes don't add up to anything except for a lot of wasted time. I mean, I've been able to look back even in my own life this last year and see this principle very clearly even in my own life. There's never any cumulative value to all of the things we do in place of the things that we have declared are really truly important, things that are valuable to us. So what's the cumulative value of all the things a college student does in place of studying? Nothing. I've been there. I've done that. I've neglected studying, and I can look back on the things that I chose to do, and their cumulative value was nothing. What's the cumulative value of all the things a father does in place of spending time with his family? Nothing. What's the cumulative value of all the things that have interfered with maybe your devotional life or your spiritual development? Again, zero. When random, urgent activities constantly interfere with strategic, consistent deposits of time, it's like throwing away our most precious commodity. It's worse than wasting our time. We're wasting our lives. This principle explains why many of us don't have much to show for with our time because it all gets gobbled up and consumed with random, unquantifiable activities, activities that tend to rob us of what's most important. When you add up all the here's what I did instead ofs, they usually equal zero. Here's my fifth and final principle. In the critical arenas of life, you cannot make up for lost time. Lots of us wish there were ways to go back in time and correct mistakes, to make things right or to spend more time with a loved one. I've often thought about this. You know, if I could just go back and, and do life differently. You know, there's probably a lot of things that I would change and correct but here's the reality of that. We would also make a lot of bunch, we would make a lot of new mistakes 
in the repeat. And we would just spend our lives continually repeating, trying to correct, all the while making new mistakes. We can't ever make that time up. And again, as college students, we can pull an all-nighter, you know, to make up for the studying we should have been doing all week. You know, you can take vacations where you drive a little faster, and I've done this. You know, you drive a little faster to make up for the time you had to stop at the rest area so the kids could go potty, you know? I'll find the truck that, you know, we're just getting ready to pass, and I'll try to find that truck again as soon as we get out of the rest area just to say, yep, we're right where we should have been if we wouldn't have made that stop. You can't cram for a better relationship with your kids or your spouse. Speeding up doesn't make up for lost time with our Heavenly Father. The key here to remember is the important areas of life require small deposits all along the way. And whenever we miss those opportunities, they're lost forever. Most of us have made the mistake of trying to make up for lost time in the gym, right? You know what I'm talking about. You haven't exercised in years, and then all of a sudden you decide, this is my year, this is my day, this is my moment, I'm gonna get back in shape, so what do you do? The mega workout, right? You strap yourself into every machine in the building, you lift every weight, you log time on the treadmill, the life cycle, the stairmaster, the thigh master, the elliptical. I mean, you do it all. You know better, but in some ways you're saying, I can make up for lost time. I can make up for my neglect in this area. And so you walk away convinced you have reclaimed lost ground. You feel so toned. You feel so in shape. I mean, you're even considering running for city council. You feel so good. But the next morning, you can't even get out of bed. In fact, you're so sore, you don't go to the gym for weeks. Of course, you injure yourself and you're out even longer. Again, the moral of the story is you cannot make up for lost time in the areas of life that matter most. Likewise, for us dads, it wouldn't do any good to rush home this afternoon and announce to our families, hey, you know what? It just occurred to me that I've missed too many meal times with the family. So load up. Tonight, we're gonna go and we're gonna eat out at all of your favorite restaurants. We'll go till midnight or later if we have to. We'll eat and eat and eat and talk and talk and talk. We're gonna make up for lost time. Ridiculous? Yeah. But no more ridiculous than thinking a long vacation can make up for being an absentee parent. It's no more ridiculous than promising a romantic weekend getaway to make up for months of work-related travel. A weekend together can't rescue a marriage that's been neglected for months or years, no matter how romantic you make it. Relationships are built and sustained on small, consistent, meaningful deposits of time. You can't cram for what's most important. If you want to connect with your kids, you've got to be available consistently, not randomly. A vacation or a weekend getaway is a good way to communicate or to celebrate the past or even make changes on the horizon going forward. 
but neither can compensate for consistent neglect. With these five principles as a backdrop, I want you to look at Paul's warning to the believers, and he's talking again to Christians. In Ephesus chapter 5, verses 15 through 16, he says, therefore, be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. That phrase, making the most of your time, it literally means redeeming the time. In the Greek term there, it's an accounting term. Paul was saying, get the most value. Get the full value out of your time. Squeeze all the goods you can out of every moment you have. Misappropriated time is misappropriated life. So Paul says, be wise and make the most of your time. You can't go back and reinvest it. And then again, did you catch the reason uh, Paul says for redeeming the time? He says, because the days are evil. We do not live in a morally or ethically neutral environment. As a Christ follower, your values are consistently being challenged. They're being challenged by an entirely different value system. If you aren't on your guard, the culture will draw you, it will lull you into a lifestyle where your time is frivolously consumed rather than strategically invested and lived. You will be busy, you may even be productive, but if you're not being careful, you will miss those irretrievable opportunities to make small, valuable, incremental time deposits in the things that matter most. If you're not walking wisely, your time will be fragmented by a thousand urgent, disconnected opportunities and events. I want to close this morning by giving you just a short exercise to kind of help you take some of what I've talked about here this morning and kind of help you to evaluate what you need to do with what you've just heard. On your bulletin or maybe on a sheet of paper, maybe some of you want to text this into your uh, phone, I want you to write down these four words, physically, relationally, professionally, and spiritually. Jenny screenshot her, so that's a good idea too. If you want to take your phone and just screenshot those four words, physically, relationally, professionally, and spiritually. And what I'd like for you to do sometime during the course of this coming week is I want you to write at least one thing. Again, don't go overboard. Don't make this so difficult that you, know, you just give up out of frustration. Just one thing in each of those four categories um, that if you began doing that, if done consistently, again, small deposits, of time over a prolonged period of time, if you began doing that, um, that it would begin to have a positive effect on that component of your life. What would that be in, in those areas? What small investment in each of those areas can you really begin doing that you'll be able to look back as a worthy investment of your time? So what can you begin to do consistently, physically, relationally, professionally, and spiritually that will add 
cumulative, meaningful value to your life. If Job was right, and I believe he is, and the number of our days are really determined, if there are limits, limits we cannot exceed, then the issue of how we spend and invest our time should be of paramount importance to us. Your time is your life. Invest it wisely. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Father, again, we just, we thank you that you are the God who gives us life. You are the God who gives us time. You are the God who gives us value. You are the God who calls us to walk faithfully with you in the time that we've been given. And Father, each of us here this morning, we can, we can think of times in our lives where we have not used our time wisely. Lord, where we've been foolish with our time. Or maybe we've just have been ignorant with our time. Or maybe we've just never really taken the time to really think much on this. Father, we just ask, Lord, that you'll forgive us for our foolishness. And Lord, help us to become wiser in how we invest, how we use the time that you have given to us. And Father, again this morning, I just pray that as we contemplate those four areas, physically, relationally, spiritually, emotionally, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to just begin to see areas, Lord, where over a small period of time as we, as we invest uh, in those areas, Lord, that we would again begin to see great value come from each of those four areas in our lives. And Father, I, I just pray particularly for that spiritual element there, that God, we would set, a time, set aside time for prayer, that we would set, a time, we would set time aside for reading your word, for just coming together as a body in worship. Father, that there would be times, Lord, where we could, again, just be making very, very intentional, very wise investments of time spiritually. And again, Father, we recognize that lost time, Father, there's no way to get that back. So Lord, again, we repent of the times that we've wasted. And Lord, ask that you would help us to redeem the time because the days are evil. And so Father, again, we just thank you for the threshold, the start of a new year. Father, help us to let go of the things in the past, particularly those things that wanna cause us to uh, have shame or guilt or condemnation over. Help us just to confess those things, to receive your forgiveness, to let go and to walk into this new year. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would continue to lead us, to guide us, to speak to us, to challenge us, that we can come to the end of this, this year, Lord, and that we would, we would be able to see great fruit because we chose to start this year more wisely with our time. And we thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We want to just invite you to follow me. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.